Dude, I have not heard this music. Oh, I'm like, it's playing mad loud. In probably so fucking long when I miss it. Oh, no, we're not. Dude, that was the first time we have done that in probably six weeks, five weeks. We have not recorded a podcast, a full podcast like this, in a couple weeks. We've been doing a lot of segments. It's the All Day Everyday Show with All Day AJ and the homie Manny Ruffin. Oh my goodness. We have a guest today. And let me tell you, it, it, is, it is really nice to hear this music. Really good to see you guys. Um, so we have a guest today. Uh, this is going to be a little shorter show. Uh, but we are the, I guess you could say the messengers of gambling twitter so we wanted to we want to just you know let you guys all know about what these insane betters are doing over these past couple weeks and uh why don't you tell these lovely people who it is and what we're going to be talking about (laughs) well we might just be talking to the goat oh no yeah this is this is to be determined might be the goat philly better we don't know who we're offending like we talked about that one time but listen guys this is kenny mcandrews hundred thousand dollar bet on braxton barrios has cleared wild amounts of money over the past two weeks of gambling on another crazy heater. And let's just welcome in our homie to the show, Kenny. Kill Kenny McCann, just baby. Let's fucking go. Strap it back in, boys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm trying to figure out why I can't hear you. Oh, uh, there we go. I got you. Uh, I got you. No, I got you. It was me. It was me. I just couldn't hear you got from right. from here. What's up, dude? The moonshot out. Kill, kill, hey, kill, whoa, 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 whoa. There it is. Oh, new merch. Look Yo. at that product placement. A plus. Before product we get placement. into this, uh, before we get into this, we had remember we had that phone call when you were at the bowling alley. This was before one of those uh, Clippers hits, and we talked about um, those sweatshirts. Yes. Do you remember that conversation? Oh shit. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> hey, it's um, okay because dude, you were on a heater. I'll tell you this though, not new merch action. This is uh this is like limited edition uh like OG merch. Um my 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 brother actually gave me this like he had like custom made this for me for Christmas. Uh Christmas 2020. Recording in progress. I mean, now I got to really watch myself here. But yeah, for uh, like uh like pretty much I just started doing, you know, maybe three, four months after I started doing the stream. I don't even have the like the paid discord yet. I think this is pre Twitch partner, but yeah, for Christmas, my brother got, got me a shirt when I was just getting going. So, you know, we, we certainly got official maybe, uh, you know, two, three months after that, but, uh, you gotta, gotta remember your roots. That's right, dude. Um, so yeah, dude, that looks super cool. Um, wait, also, how'd you play yesterday? Okay. It was, uh, an ugly 94 like usually a 94 i'm gonna be very happy with Dude, it's um, that's april. kind of yeah. it's april like, yeah, that's my that's my okay range it's just like i can't tell you how many how many i left out there like yeah. it, this I'm this had like there. 85 potential i just played <laughs> i just had i had a couple of really bad blow up holes and and a lot of pars so uh it was okay we were right. it's april and uh, dude i've been saying it the last four times we've talked about golf like i'm addicted i'm fully in Yes. We're going under 80 one time this year at least, and I'm gonna do it with you guys. Yeah, that's right. Well, I said to Vinny, I'm a I'm a great energy. I'm at 12 right now, and I said I want to get to a 10 this summer. I literally am trying to play. Oh, like, no, 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 no. What's up with this 10 bullshit? We said nine. We, we said, said nine. nine. It's just gonna be hard. Nine. It's just gonna be. No, it's gonna have to be nine. consistent 70s, and I just the past two days I played it hasn't been there. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We have I have a piece of paper that has every single hit on here from March 29th to April 10th, which is a, which is a 12 a uh, 12 day span. Um, so we just want to get your thought process on, you know, especially for us, cause we're betters as well, but for the people listening and watching, we want to you to kind of almost not go overboard with it, but what are some of the things that you're seeing in these plays? What kind of stands out to you and what made you, 
wager this much. And Manny has some questions on unit Absolutely. sizing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, let's, let's. So then if you've got them in front of you, um, it'd be easier for me if you just maybe want to go like, if you want to call out a few plays, I can sort of give you the, the yeah. process behind, behind each of them. All right. So I definitely want to do the, let's start off with the Kevin Porter Jr. Triple double. Um, that was at plus 3,400. And then you also built that out to get even a little bit even higher than that at plus 3,445. Um, I mean, that was 3,400 odds. Like, wait, you know that that's a lot of odds. So in a way, it's like a little bit unlikely. But what are you seeing in that in those matchups? Again, especially late in the season where we were getting a lot of trouble with, you know, matchups, lineups, if people were actually playing the correct amount of minutes, what were you seeing? So this one, it'll be way easier to explain than, you know, any of the other ones we go through. I mean, if you're, if, you, if you've been a part of Mooney Gang, um, you probably needed to hit this one to break even on Kevin Porter Jr. for the entire year. I mean, <laughs> we've been hammering, we, 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 we have been playing the Kevin Porter Jr. triple-double a lot. Um, I think ever since Schroeder got, started to get way more minutes down the stretch, like I haven't played this a lot since the All-Star break, but um, it's funny, it was his first, I think technically it was his first triple-double of the year, but if you remember, we bet on him to get a triple-double way back in, like November, December. And it was that weird play where he kind of got that like charity rebound rebound at the end. They gave him the triple double. They paid out triple double tickets. And then the next day NBA stats came out and were like, actually it wasn't a rebound. It was a Tate rebound. So they pulled it away. We still got paid for it, but you know, we, we've had some good vibes with the KPJ triple double, but dude, you know, Houston was just in the gutter. His usage has been insane. And then down the stretch, they sat down Schroeder. They sat down Christian Wood. And I just, I, I was full sending that he was going to get one uh, before the end of the year. And, and like I said, it was a train that we had been on for the better part of the year. And when you're betting, you know, odds like this, I think when we first hit him for triple double, it was like 6,500 or something insane. I mean, conceivably, if you bet that every single game throughout the year, like he's got to, if he does it once, you'll pretty much break even. And if he hits two, you know, you're, you're going to finish net profit. So we didn't do it every single Rockets game, but I can tell you on this one, you know, we, we, we lost a lot of Porter Jr. as well too, but he was, he was one of our more profitable just players across the season, man. I, lo- I love KPJ. Well, that's the transparency that you like to hear. It's nah, I love, we did lose a little bit on the it, KPG but we got vibes. a little bit oh, in there. Love the KPG, I mean, I think, vi- KPG vibes in the, uh, in the chat. Love the Scotty Barnes vibes in the chat. All those, all those bets are awesome. Just fun to follow anyway. Who cares? And look, it's like I even put it like I think when I put this play out, it was on my birthday. So this is sort of what got this crazy run started too. like I was at McGillan's when this one hit. I hit it for a bag. And then, you know, it's been it, it, it had been it was chaos then for, for 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 the following week. But I think I even put in my discord like, look, I'm just I'm willing to die on this hill for the rest of the season. Like the, I think they have like five games left. If you're getting him at over, you know, 30 to one, it's just an instant auto blast. And then I think after this game, he was like. 15 to one the rest of the way and i just I stayed away from it there you go so one of my what, your, one of my favorite hits you've been having on this run was the shake milton love and i've i've noticed through the discord like shake's been your guy a lot and i kind of want to ask like not necessarily on the hit but do you feel like you have an advantage on kind of the lower key guys on the sixers like you've hit with yang before you've hit with shake before is this because you watch the sixers more you feel like you have another edge or like is shake yeah, more I- just a guy you've been covering and watching for longer times and he, you're gonna bet him anyway if you're like a fucking pacers fan you know what i mean not a hundred percent, man. And, and I think the same, the same can be said about, you know, other, other guys that do this, that have their own teams, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like Devin's bookie is a huge Suns fan. Nice. Like as, as smart as I think I am, like I, I, I trust him on Suns fringe players analysis more than I would, I would trust myself there. Mm-hmm. So I, I think definitely there's an edge to be a diehard Sixers fan in, in the midst of all this. And then the, the, the shake love was that it's really since, since the all-star break, 
he's been been shooting the three really really well like he's uh he's become more of just like a a spot up a spot up three shooter the ball is in his hands just a little less because again he does share a a good amount of minutes uh, with Harden out there but the guy's been shooting really well he's been getting you know you know 18 to the 20 ish minutes and you know when you were getting these these stackable like 10 points two threes lines you were getting it at like 13 14 to one and like you know over the course of the entire year like if you look at Shake's game log you know if you know, there's 82 games he probably played in, I don't know, like 77 of them. I bet you if you bet this every single game, it's probably a net a net loss, right? <laughs> he didn't do this every single game. And we didn't bet on him a lot this year. Down the stretch of the season, man, they just kept putting his props up there, especially his like his three-point prop was like 0.5 at almost even money. That's and ridiculous. again, just from watching Sixers games and getting to plenty of them uh, over the over the last month or two, man, just the, the guy's stroking it well. He's getting crazy open looks. And clearly Doc had a little more confidence in him. So uh we 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 got the hit on him twice we did it i'm looking at my little my my little sheet here we did it on uh april 2nd and then, and then they the like and then literally on the fifth, three days the, after the next game they put him back at the exact same odds and we just ran it back <laughs> and that's like that's Sicko. crazy though like for, for me too looking at that it's like you got insane value for two threes 10 points and then one three and that was plus 1239 and then and real quick do, do, do you know why uh i guess do i want to say this yeah, I don't. I don't care. Do you know the significance <laughs> of the one three on? Like, so re, just read the bet really quick. Yeah. Like, so like the whole the whole bet. So you had I have two same game parlays here. One was plus twelve fifty two, Shake Milton for two threes and ten points, and then you have another one, another uh, same game parlay with all Shake plus twelve thirty nine, two threes, one three, ten points. Was that one three just to juice the odds a little bit more? It doesn't do anything because if you know if you already have two threes on there, like one three is assumed in two threes, right? So that's why I was surprised when I saw that, like how they even let you do that. It had no, it didn't change the odds. Like it it had, there was a conscious decision to add that leg to that ticket, and it had nothing to do with the odds. It had no effect on the odds. Do you not know why that leg is on there? No, I because when I first saw it, I was like, why would they even? Not only why would you put it in there if you had him to get two, but why would FanDuel even allow that one to get in there if you have two? So in the first shake ticket, it was just fifteen. It was just it was just, it was just two ten and, and two. Ten and two. That's right. How much did I put on that? Uh, four oh seven. That was the first one, the April second. Yep. And then after that, you went two ten points one three for one thousand seven hundred and twenty five dollars. So without adding that one plus three leg, my limit on that bet was like two hundred and fifty bucks. Wow. I've noticed that if you think you're limit, if you're limited on Fanduel, uh, I guess we should your limits, that. your limits increase by adding legs. Now there's a there's a it's a limit, but now we're getting confusing. There's it only works to a certain extent. Like if you add it eight more legs, like not that I wanted to, but it's like I couldn't have added eight more bullshit legs and then put twenty grand on. I mean, it, it caps you eventually, so but could you have essentially yeah. done like a um. A Sixers plus twenty and a half alternate spread to get the value. I mean, to get hundred percent. And I and I see a lot. I see a lot of guys doing that as well. But typically, they're doing that to actually boost odds. For right. me, I, I just I thought the odds were fine. I didn't I didn't want to add in another element here. I just wanted to be able to put more money on it. I mean, my bankroll was clearly flush after the some some the recent hits there. I think I think this game was it was a Saturday. Yeah, Saturday so super shake. Yep, it's Saturdays for shake, so I was I was I was get, I was getting boozy, and uh, I wanted to rip this one a little bit, and I think they were capping me at it, I think like two three hundred bucks. It was something crazy, so I didn't expect the limit to go up that much. 
but it did. But when I when I put that when I put that on Twitter, I remember a lot of people were asking me like why I did that, and you know, you know, you know, but whatever. So I kind of have like a two piece question here. So like, how do you? So you'll have a run, right? You'll be you had a you had a certain unit size, then you'll hit Braxton Barrios for 100k, and then that unit size obviously has to change. How do you calculate that, and how do you stay disciplined within yourself while you're doing that? And then the second question to that is. When you're making these bets, right? So you already hit shake the, on on the second, and like a better like me, right? Because I, for whatever reason, it's probably why I suck. I care about record. I don't want to lose too much. I don't want to lose again on it. But you just say fuck it. We're gonna run it back. So when you're right. making these bets, is it more of like a? It's definitely you're more shade on the value side of things and the record side of things. And I just kind of want to like talk about your mentality behind that as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I guess we'll do two things. So on, on the bankroll front, it's just for it's just it's gonna. I look at it almost like sort of like the stock market. Like mm. I'm hot right now. Yo, I'm hot. And I, you know, I have like, I have more money in my FanDuel account than I typically have on like a, on a, you know, on a, on a normal week, if, if you will. Right. So it's, I'm going to be definitely unloading a little more in spots that I like. I think for, for me, it gets even like a little more complicated because again, I, I, I've been dealing with these limits now on, on some of these bets for, for, really for, for the last year, like it, it, it kind of comes and goes. And I do think it, it comes and goes with sort of like how hot I am. Like I didn't have any limits in, in the month of February. And like, I don't think I hit a bet the entire month of February. So like uh, they weren't, they, they weren't worried about limiting me then, but then you get a little hot. I get the bankrolls flesh. There's a couple spots that I started to really, really like. And, you know, it's a combination of, you know, taking shots when you think you have an angle and you know taking advantage of, you know, when you're not limited on a, on a particular bet, mm. the shake thing, um, it kind of going back to him almost goes against my the traditional philosophy. Like I don't like going back to guys. That's what I was thinking. But usually it's I don't like going back to guys because I have the assumption that there's less value than there was when we first got it. Right. Like I think a lot of a lot of people when they're sort of doing their analysis and sort of putting their notes together for games, it's like all right, you know, he's hit this six out of you know, we hit this line six out of seven. Uh, the defense is bottom three and blah, 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 blah. Like all the data, it's a, it's a good matchup. But more often than not, like if all of that's true, the guy is probably priced like somebody who has hit this six out of seven and is going against the bad defense. Like if if we hit shake for plus 1,200, whatever the odds were on April 2nd, and then on April 5th, if they have his odds up and it's a great matchup and all this is all well and good, but now the combination is plus 600, stay away. We already got it for 1200. We smashed it. There's no point. Like, like I still like the play. I don't like it enough to chase it for half the value. Like for me to go after it at, at half of it, I would have to, there'd have to be then more elements to it. Like uh, last minute, Maxi's out shake starting. Just, it doesn't matter. Just, just (laughs) don't even, just don't just blast it. If no other criteria or no other, (laughs) if no other situations are changing though, then it's like, okay, like, you know, we're getting the same price. Just, hit it again but i think it all comes down to price i think that's the one element that a lot of people just they just they, they don't put enough i think emphasis i was gonna say i feel like, like a lot of new betters miss that no because like i'll talk to someone like birdman and he'll have his notebook with eight books out and he's like well i actually i wouldn't take that odell touchdown at plus whatever 101 or whatever i have it over here at plus 120 i think that's actually a good bet i wouldn't bet it past 120 like a lot of, a lot of amateur betters don't think about that i don't even think about that ever honestly that's a sweaty. I mean, it's just like yeah, it's like do I, do, I, do I think Shakes in a good do I think Shakes in a good matchup? Kind of. Do I think he's in a good situation and is you know and his lines look a little off? Yes. Is there a too much value for this to happen? Like at plus twelve hundred, if they play this game 
12 times. The shake at you 10 points and two threes more than once, I think absolutely. Mm. And that's what it comes down to. Does he do it more than, you know, one in five times? Uh, probably not. Stay away. But the price element of it is, I think, the, the most important aspect of it. And, you know, I think we get too focused on what the recent trends are and less focused on, well, is the price reflective of those trends? Mm. Right. Um, okay. So let's head to another crazy one. This is Knicks and Nets. This is the last uh, Knicks primetime game of their season on ESPN. Oh, this is a good one. And they, they play uh, the Nets on ESPN. Their win margin was 11 plus that you got. And you also had one uh, that lost and you had him at 1 to 10 as well. And I like how you shared that screenshot. And I think part of the reason is because you couldn't really cut it out enough. But it was good to show like he had the loss. Oh, no, 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 no. That was intent. I, I swear to you, that was intentional. Show the loss. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't just blast because I, I wanted to share like the, the screenshot from the kitchen as well. Like, look, like the play was bet both of these. Right, mm. right. Um, so the Knicks were up almost around like 20 points at halftime. So. Where the hell are you? I know we know the powerful aspect of this team with Kyrie and KD back playing together. Where did you see we almost have to cover well over 30 points, come back from behind 20, but add another 11 to get this to hit? Where so I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of a thousand. When I'm trying to think where exactly they were in their comeback when this went through, like you know, from just purely narrative standpoint, like Nets are a better team, Knicks are a more inferior team, and Nets had everything to play for, and the Knicks had nothing to play for, no. like. Um, like, I think the Nets needed that to at least guarantee the, the, to be either a seven or an eight seed. So, like, they wanted to win the game. They were down 20 at half, and I think we got it down 13. But they had just, they just like, I think Kyrie had hit, like, two, they just come off of, like, two, three or something. So, they were clearly, all the momentum was going the Nets' way. Right. So, my thing was, dude, I would just, I'd be stunned if the Nets lost this game. So, like, look, if the Knicks hold on, I lose both of these bets. But I thought the Nets were going to win. I thought they'd probably win in a, in a, in a close game. So it's look, you essentially bet the one to 10. And if they win within one to 10, you break even. This is a, if we break even on this bet, that's completely fine. If they happen to run away with it, you know, we'll, we'll cash here. And they got the most gifted Bruce Brown layup to win by 11 with like eight seconds left. It was, it was ridiculous. But the idea was they have momentum. They have a lot more to play for. They're the better team. I think they win this game. Instead of just taking Nets money line live, which you, you certainly could have, I thought it made more sense to look, take these two margins. And I got to give Mooney Gang all the credit for that because I never really dabbled in these these win margin markets. I never really, yeah. I just never really looked at them all that much. And we got a couple people in here, you know, Trader Nick, especially, uh, like that just, they're addicted to, to hawking these in game win margin lines. They've had some success with it. So it's something that I'm trying to work into my thought process when I like a live spot like that. But that's just one that happened to work out in our favor. So what do you feel like like makes you different? Like what ex- what propelled you through this industry faster than other people? Like because there's a lot of gamblers nowadays. Obviously, there's like the Mount Rushmore, the top dogs, and we can all think about who they are at the top of our heads. And then there's other guys who are like you can see working their way up. But I feel like a lot of I mean, obviously now you're some big thing. A lot of like this and get shown in your come up, but you've posted like retweeted stuff from years ago that you were just writing random blog posts about games and bets, and then you were streaming years ago behind that. Like, what are the traits that you felt like just made you excel in this industry faster than other people? And like, how, what can people that are coming up right now take from your come up as well? I'd say that uh, he started the Discord VIP. (laughs) (laughs) With the eyebrows. I would say two things. I think number one, the most obvious aspect that's probably not what you would expect me to say is the number one contributor to all of this. Um, I got lucky. Mm. Number one, like you have, you, I have to at least be open that like, if you're trying to be successful, really in anything, 
but then also trying to be successful in a space that is quite literally defined by some semblance of luck. Like no, no amount of hard work, no amount of research, no amount of grind, no amount of like blood, sweat, and tears that I put in my discord and all of this, no amount of weekends that I missed with friends because I was at home trying to do a Twitch stream. No, none of that makes Braxton Berrios score a touchdown and then two would throw a pick six. Like I I can find like, but the humility finds the angles. And so I think it's a combination of like acknowledging dude, like, like you're a lucky guy. You have gotten lucky. You need to be cognizant of that. Keep your head on straight and keep doing all the things that have sort of put you in positions to at least enable yourself to be lucky. Like all of my success isn't purely defined on luck. I have put myself in situations that if I were to get a little lucky and do the right things, I'm ready to just take this thing to the moon because I've been doing this longer than, than everybody else, but it starts there. And then I'll get into some more specifics, but like, I think every, any successful gambler out there has to, has to, to an extent admit that even professional poker players, like if you want to win the world series of poker main event, you got to play immaculate poker. You have to make amazing decisions. You have to get really lucky a lot and you cannot get, unlucky one time in that tournament that that's the recipe of winning the main event for the world series of poker so like to be successful in this space you have to i think just be comfortable with the fact that there is a an inexplainable luck element that that goes into this and i think when you try to overthink or overanalyze or like over over data the entire thing like you know there's there's a limit to that so one be acknowledged you know acknowledge sort of uh you know really what this all is and then secondly, man, I think it's just the natural passion that I have for, for sports, for sports betting, and just for, for, for competition. Like, I love gambling. I don't, I don't do it for the, like, the, the rush of... Yeah, that adrenaline rush. And... Like, I do it because I want to be fucking right. Yep. Like, I, I, I want to show... Like, I know more than these guys know, and I'm bet... Like, but these guys, I mean the books. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like... I'm doing it because I, it's, I look at it like it's a game and it's, it's something that I can just be, be, be hungry about. Anyone that's known me and grown up with me, like even when I was a fudgy wudgy guy in Sea Isle selling chip witches on the beach, like I was taking bets against our other sales guys who could sell more chip witches like in the span of an hour. Like, I love it. been, like it's just, I've had a hunger for that. I just, it's like, it's the competition to me. And look, man, I, I've always just been a massively passionate sports fan that I felt like knows more than other people. And I've always been trying to just sort of find some way to get involved within this space. And it started three years ago. I was just writing blogs. I was doing daily fantasy. Uh, I was tweeting out little Google docs of Mm -hmm. blogs. I was writing on on players that I wanted. And then I realized that player prop betting um, was now available on FanDuel. And I felt that I could apply the same strategy and the same data and the same research process but not have to compete against like guys like you in contests. Instead, mm. I'm just betting against the books as opposed to like um, doing a DraftKings lineup, but I'm also competing against 500 other people that are also doing lineups. It's like, you know, it's like playing blackjack against the other guys at your table. I just, yeah. I, 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 so then I got into prop betting and I felt like I really had, had a bit of a groove going and then COVID hit. So it, when we first got into, got into lockdown, it became a bit, got super heavy into Twitch. And then, you know, the, the rest is history. I was just, I was ready to go when NBA came back. I got myself set up. I had a plan in place. And then I think it was in July, they officially announced the, the, the plans for the bubble and coming back. And like day one, I, I did my first show and I was like, I was ready to go. I, I didn't, the NBA didn't come back. And then on game five, I was like fumbling about how to do a Twitch stream and you know what to do. Like I just, 
I thought, you know what? I'm going to try to do this show. Let's see if it has some legs. And on day one, I was ready to go and just comfortable to fail. I figured if I put myself out there, the 10 people that watch, great. Let's, right. let, let's see how that, this Yeah, goes. but that's I, not going to stop you from continuing to do those streams too. And I, and I, I, I want to take this back to like your point about being lucky. Um, I mean, we can tie this to ourselves because when you had that Trey Young and Levine hit for 50K, we just sent you a DM. And we got lucky. Massively lucky. That you responded and we were able to get that first oh, one. And how we hit. So, I mean, that's just the same thing. Yeah, it was. Not literally. Because um, I remember in that, in that DM, you were like, you know, I'm just happy that I stumbled across this DM. Bro, that we can, Kenny, that Jerry, Cat went ballistic at one, like, three-month span. Right. We were, like, just reaching out and they're hitting back. It's, it's the truest thing. But the thing about it is, too, which is crazy, like... If you're not busting out DFS blogs and doing other shit that has nothing to like, quote unquote, nothing to apply to what you're doing now with fan doing other things like that, wouldn't be as prepared. Like the opportunity wouldn't have been as magnified if you weren't already getting your legs wet doing this, showing passion for it, showing up every day. It's a, it's a crazy story, man. Like that, I, anyone could take from that, man. Honestly, right. I I, I think like it, it was just it was more centered around. I want to. I want to do gambling content as opposed to, I think a lot of people get in, get into it with the, you know, the idea or the goal of like, I want to be a gambling persona. Mm. I think those are two like very different things. Like now, like I feel like I am a bit of a gambling persona and I've sort of drifted into that. And, you know, I, I play into that a lot, but I didn't, I didn't wake up three years ago and go like, you know what? My dream is to like try to become famous or something. And it was just, no, I just, I, I love to gamble. I love sports. I know a lot about it and I would love to do, something with it i'll try every i'll try everything and the power I of think, social media now too well not only the power of social media but but look at the power of just you know of of, of gambling twitter right mm. when when you know me jerry you look at i think like the, the earliest people i remember doing this it was like me jerry cat bo marcus i feel like kind of the first like like the, the first like you know heavy following mm-hmm. gambling twitter accounts that i just that i i feel like I, that at least i interacted with and that i you know i recognized and saw kind of kind of early on here and you go back two years ago like there was just a lot less in gambling twitter than there is now 100%. nowadays I, I don't even know where to, I, I can't even keep up with it there's a billion gambling twitter accounts they spawn out of thin air with fifteen thousand followers and they just and then they all just sort of like incessantly sort of magnify off of, off of each other. And I think it's, I think it's good and bad. I think it's amazing for people that want to, that want to grow their following, build their own brands, engage within the community. And like, I think the, like the, the growth of the community itself, which has been sort of magnified by the Twitter spaces that the cap started and all this other stuff. Like, I think all of that is an amazing thing. I think the slight downside of it is that I think it's really easy to amass a half decent following a gambling Twitter overnight, regardless of goals or intentions. And I think because of that, it's, it makes it easier for people to just, you know, hit a big bet and then start their own VIP in two days. And people see they got 20,000 Twitter followers don't know any better. And they're just, I think, I think it's a lot easier for that to happen in the current environment, just because there's just, there's a lot of these accounts and I'm not here. I'm not sitting here on my pedestal throwing stones. Like, you know, I make money off of this, therefore nobody else can. It's just, I'm curious where this all goes because it's only going to get bigger and bigger. There's going to be more and more accounts and like it, it, it can't just exponentially grow like it in, in the way that it has. Like, I think eventually there has to be some normalization and uh, I'm excited. I'm curious to see where it goes, but I mean, shit, man, 
look mm-hmm. how much has changed in two years. Like, oh, yeah. what are we going to be talking about two years from now? Right. So let's get to more analysis here from, I'm going to start calling you King Kenny now after this heater. Um, Xavier Simpson, that. six assists at plus 500 and Xavier Simpson, eight assists at plus 1700. The big thing um, that I want to hear about the assists too is like, this is obviously way less about scoring the ball. This is about, you know, less about putting the ball in the basket. This is play playmaking, being a facilitator. How are you trying to find those matchups of these guys that are running the floor, making those playmaking plays versus actually driving to the hoop and getting the basket? So I think this is, this is a great example of like spots you can take advantage of late in the season. The NBA late in the season is like 95% of crapshoot. Rotations are insane. You're trying to figure out the motivation of every single team. Teams are tanking. Teams are trying to win. Teams are trying to win, but rest their bench and whatever. It, it's, it's complicated. So I know like it was carnage for a lot of people the last couple of weeks of the season. This spot in particular, it was, it's, it's the exact spot you're looking for in these dog shit games that don't matter. The Thunder very clearly were going to be putting out seven, maybe eight guys. Like their previous two games, I think they played six or seven guys. They had already shut down half the team. So you knew whoever was out there was going to play a shitload of minutes. Now, it's a combination of seven creative players that no one's ever heard of before. And you don't really know who's good at what. So there's not a whole lot of data to go off of. But the only game that's the previous game, Simpson played 42 minutes. I think he finished eight assists and he had like 16 potential assists. Uh, NBA.com stats, the, the best stats portal. You don't, you don't need to pay for anything anywhere else, dude. NBA.com stats. I'm, I'm serious. Their stats portal is unbelievable. That's where I do like 90% of my research. Their passing tracking stats, they track potential assists. Now, I believe a potential assist is either like a play that results in assists or like a pass that results in a missed shot or a pass that results in like, uh, I think, a shot that gets fouled or, or something. It's like uh, it could have been an assist. It was oh, almost it an assist. Okay. Like the, I've, the conversion rate for, to assist to potential assist, it's about 50-50, more, more or less like, you know, the better players have higher conversion rates. Like I think on the year, uh, like I think since the All-Star break, Harden's averaging what, like, about 10 assists mm-hmm. for the Sixers, give or take. And I think he averages about 20 to 21 potential a game, <laughs> just for some context. Simpson, the ga- in the game before, played 43 minutes. I think it's 17 potential assists. And I think he finished with eight. So he was the one guy I, I like mentally circled. But it was a, it was a, a nine o'clock game, so like a, ni- a 9 10 Eastern tip. They didn't post props for this game the entire day. I think they had one Thunder prop up. It was like Isaiah Roby and then nobody else. So I've just been waiting and waiting for them to add this guy. And at 9.04, they add like four more people. They add, Zav- they add Simpson assist. And I think his standard line was four. I think it was like three and a half at plus money. So like a- empty the clip on that, on six, on eight, like whatever you can get. And then from there, it's just like, now we've got five minutes. So I put the Simpson assists in, in Kenny's kitchen and moonshot, like as fast as possible. And then it's just, all right, now you got five minutes. Make as many weird combos as you can get with this and just hope something pops. And that was sort of like the, I won't even say controversy because I don't think, I think most people understood. But I hit a, a separate bomb off of this that wasn't posted in the Discord because it was just me firing comments bef- before lock. But it was rooted around the Simpson 8 assists. So it, it was just an example of a guy that no one's ever heard of before that I think the sports books don't, really know how to handicap and you can get lucky with one of these uh once in a while usually they won't post guys like that they did and uh we smashed it 
course we so did. Keep coming, keep running down the list, bro, because there's yeah. So we got so there's a couple more that a couple. So uh, you have a couple ladders coming up, but I want to do uh, Anthony Edwards right now, and then so couple, we'll do a couple more ladders, and then I want to get into your master's place. <laughs> this is just not um, normal. Again, guys, this, is, this the, is in a twelve day span. So uh, let's do the, 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 skip skip the Edwards one okay. only because um for all these I I can't I can't find my notes on like okay. who was out for Minnesota in this game and why I love why I loved Edwards. There was good reason behind. It. I only put out two plays that day. It was Edwards and Okiki. Yeah, it was, but. yeah, and and I have that on here on here too. Okiki plus four twenty four assists. But okay, let's go to um uh, two ladders here. Let's do Amir Coffee first. Uh, fourteen and a half points minus one twelve. Uh, then you had twenty points plus two hundred. Twenty five points plus eleven hundred, and then you had the double double at plus twenty two hundred. There's your so, fucking ladder. If anybody wants to see, that's the prime fucking ladder right there. This was uh, this is beautiful, man. I uh, this was probably my <laughs> textbook. What future say? Sensational. <laughs> this is probably my favorite hit of uh, of the second half of, of probably the second half of the season. I, what I didn't hit it for like as much as I've hit for other plays, but I just uh, it, it felt good having like a read and it unfolding pretty much a, a, a exactly as 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 you thought it would. So the Clippers had nothing to play for. Uh, and early in the day, you knew that all the starters were going to rest. So their start, their starters for this game were Coffee, Kennard, Terrence Mann, Zubak, Covington, and then you know Batum, Morris, Paul George, Reggie Jackson. All of all of them are sitting. So they have nothing to play for here. My thought was this: any player on the Clippers that isn't sitting, but is supposed to get meaningful playoff minutes, even as just like a, a rotation guy, is not going to play a shitload of minutes tonight. Guys like Covington. Like Covington will play meaningful playoff minutes. Kennard, I thought, will play meaningful playoff minutes. The odd man out here is like, all right, so who's the best guy on the Clippers tonight that's probably going to take the most, that is probably the best scoring option that also will not get any run during the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And the guy that stood out was Amir Coffey. I mean, the guy can fill it up. He gave them great minutes throughout the year, but the Clippers are fully healthy in the playoffs. You shorten rotations. He's like the tenth uh, or eleventh guy on this team. So I thought, no matter what, he's not going to get any any action in the playoff rotation. So he is a surefire lock for thirty five minutes tonight against the Thunder. And then he just looked back in his game log, like, all right, where are the spots where he has played this many minutes as a starter? Thirty two, seven, and six. Then he played zero minutes, then he had one minute. And then against Philly, he had 38 minutes, 21, three, and four. Played 40 minutes against Cleveland, 19, three. So it just, it's a guy that can just sort of fill it up when he gets the opportunity. Against the worst defense of all time, I thought, I think, I, I think I even put in the Discord, like, I think Coffee might play the entire game tonight. He ended up playing 43 minutes. And I mean, because you get, I mean, you can see the value here go up drastically, right? I mean, you get minus 112, and then for essentially, three more points plus 200 five more points plus 1100 and then that double double at plus 2200 so i just want to talk about and people like people are always like because i remember people like uh, in Munich, not like you know shooting on the pick or challenging it but a lot of people were like all right like i guess i kind of get the points but like why the double double i'm like well right it's 22 to 1 so i'm not telling you to put your your mortgage on it right but like it if you think the if you think coffee stinks and you don't like the coffee play that's fine. Don't play coffee. If you agree with my logic on coffee, that he could be in a good spot and you're going to ladder his points in the way that I'm telling you to ladder his points, but you're not going to play the double, double, like the math says, play the double, double. If you think, if you, if you like the points, play the double, double, sure. like it's just for a, for a sprinkle, 
And I think I did it like one unit on the, on the low end, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.25, 0. 0.25. It's just, look, I get it. He's not a heavy rebounder. I think on the entire year he had, actually, this would be really funny. <laughs> oh, wow. Would you look at that? He had one double, double the entire year. Would you look at that? Would you, would you look at that? He had one double, double the entire year. So it's just, you know, no data, no trends, no nothing will ever lead you to Amir Coffee double double in that particular spot if your entire process is centered around just trends and statistical data. You have to understand just how the NBA works, I think, to, to find a play like this. Like this is this is just a unique one where you got to go a little above and beyond what were Ty Lue's tendencies in the playoffs last year. How many players did he run in the rotation? Did Coffee get any burn in the playoffs last year? No. In games where these four guys were heavily rested over the last two months, who got the biggest uptick? Coffee. Like, it's, you know, you, good luck doing that if you don't know the NBA. Right. I feel like that's, like, the beauty of the Moody, Moody game as well. Like, for different, for betters like me that we're not, I'm, I'm depositing pennies yeah. compared to Kenny. Like, you know what I'm saying? But just the fact that we'll have four or five bets a night that are, like, plus, plus $1,100, plus $2,200. And I can just place it in for a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there. I love the bets where it's, like, guys, just throw $1 on this. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah, I got, like, ten thirty at night. I got the late games. I got legs for, like, this $1 like the, to win two thirty eight, bro. It's just fun, I like the bro. $20 round robins. Dude, so, like, I, I'm looking forward to getting back into the season next year because I wish, like, throughout the year we had more success with them because I still fully believe in the structure mm. of, of those. It's, like, you know, on a larger slate, you get – you know, five, you know, if you can find your five favorite value plays and you pretty much get to take it at like different tiers of risk for not that much money. It's like, it's like, you know, doing a box in uh like in the Kentucky Derby where like, if you know what, like a, an exa- a, a trifecta in the Kentucky Derby is getting all three horses, like first, second, and third, correct. If you do a box, you're essentially betting on the top three horses, but any combination of those three coming in one, two, or three, it costs you more money because you're not placing more Mets. It's essentially a round robin. I, I think it makes sense for juicier plays. I don't, re- I personally, I don't recommend using round Robin for like even money or like, you know, slightly plus money, unless your bankroll is huge and you can afford to put a heavier base unit down for it. Just because I, I don't think there's enough bang for your buck. Like it going four out of five is, is, is hard at, at any, at any odds. And I just, I, I think that they're the round robin, particularly for NBA props. And I'm, I'm pumped to bring this out for NFL a little bit for some of our touchdown bombs next year as well, well yeah. just to work it in a little bit. Like, I think it's a really good structure to be able to get exposure on a lot of high upside, juicy plays without having to overextend your bankroll to, you know, get this much action, if you will. Now, we didn't go five for five on any of them this year. Uh, I think we hit four, I think yep. like two or th- two or three times for like almost the grand, but, uh, we were a one Derek Jones three from a, from a twelve from a twelve k bomb, but uh, I'm I'm pumped to bring it back next year. Uh, again, you got to just you know keep refining the process and yeah, getting a little better. Us. And exactly. oh, I, I trusted all right. It only took me one CJ was I'm a bomb, and I just I was hey, trusting ever since. Right. Um, okay, uh, another ladder time. Uh, Emmanuel quickly eight assists at plus one twenty, ten mm. assists at plus three thirty, twelve assists at plus nine hundred, and you had the triple double at plus sixteen hundred. This was also a fucking 30 point triple double I'm say it was quick's world that night for and obviously we know rj barrett wasn't on the floor right. julius Randle wasn't on the floor but again we're going back to these assists where we know that you have to be the playmaker you're not scoring the rock even though you did score 
and you had 30 points in a 30-point triple-double. What were we seeing here in an 8, 10, 12-assist game where, again, 12 assists is a fucking lot. So, look, man, I, uh, I was surprised how, like, unpopular – not unpopular, like, people didn't like it, but – Again, there's there's other discords, there's other, there's other cappers out there. And again, on certain on certain slates, there's only so many games. So like there's gonna be overlap on plays, like you know, some people steal plays, whatever, but like nobody owns plays. Like if there right. was a people were talking about this on gambling Twitter last night. Like me and Cap, I think me and Cap yesterday had like almost like an identical card. He laddered PJ Washington and I didn't, so he gets the dub there and I don't. But like we're not stealing <laughs> each other's plays. It just there's two games on, and him and I are both pretty smart guys, and we happen to be seeing the, the same thing. I was surprised there wasn't as much action just across the community on Emmanuel quickly because going into this game, you knew he was starting. You knew that, you know, we just can pull up this box real quick. Uh, you knew Barrett was out. Uh, Barrett was out. Randall was out. And then for me, the most important people that were out, and this is going to sound crazy here, no Quentin Grimes and no Miles McBride. The reason that mattered to me was the, like, there's no other younger guards that Tim's, that Tibbs could just, randomly you know punt minutes too like if you know if if mcbride played this game or grimes played this game got hot and then ended up playing 40 minutes and then quickly played a little less like it wouldn't have surprised me when they weren't playing there was just nobody else on this team that could possibly take quickly's minutes unless he somehow magically got in foul trouble so i thought he was going to play 40 minutes he ended up playing 42 and coming into the game like it wasn't like he did this out of nowhere i mean this was his best game of the year but he uh yeah, here was here was last five games coming into this, and I feel like just because the Knicks season was over, they weren't making the playoffs. Right. Uh, the the Julius Randall sort of like bitching at the front office, kind of like, like that was the story coming out of the Knicks, and Rub there wasn't in. a lot of like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I love it. Meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> did nobody notice that Emmanuel quickly in the four games leading up to this went seventeen seven and seven, twenty ten and ten, then he had a duck six five and three, twenty three ten and six. Yeah. So. No. He, he had he had a triple double and a double double two of his last four games it's like the dude is in a good he's in a great spot at home last game of the year he's gonna play 40 minutes like this this feels like the single biggest no-brainer of all time so I, I i was hawking this game because i was waiting for them to add quickly lines and i even told mooney gang hey like i'm waiting for quickly like don't wait if you get if you get it first go for it i am sitting here waiting for a manual quickly lines and I just when I think when I when I was sharing these tickets after the game, I pretty much expected to see a flurry of quickly hits across the community because it just looked like a chalky play. But I was surprised, man. I, I we got we got lucky on this one. Well, so I want to do um I want to do one Tiger play from the Masters, and then I'll have a quick question here on uh, on unit sizing. Um, so we know like I don't want to touch on the Tiger Woods seventy two or better because. We, you know, you had to root for him to go lower in that day, and that was his best of the day, first time in playing. You know, we saw what the rest of the weekend looked like. Um, fatigue, obviously, was. And just real quick on that one, and on that one, like, just I felt even forget like being a Tiger homer, and you know, because I agree with you, you want the action, you're just yeah, gonna bet sure. it because like it's Thursday. I had him to make the cut. Same thing. What a we, what a weird price. Like I think I even said, I feel like we're getting baited here. Like forget my Tiger homerism. Sorry, yeah. plus two seventy. I'm blasting it. Like come on. So let's go to, this was not an official play. This was in the Mooney Gang general chat. This was not in the Kenny's Kitchen. And I saw some some uh, some banter, some chatter in there of, oh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. The Mooney Gang runs so fast, you can't see it. Well, you even said this was not an official play. This was Tiger Woods 
Hole six, birdie or better in the first round at plus five hundred. Oh, six on you six. You had sixteen hundred on this, and uh, he hit it to about two feet. Bro, I literally my fault, but I literally saw like Tiger go to six whenever he hits the birdie. I'm just going on Twitter just to see like who's react because he just hit a birdie on six. Great shot, like who's reacting to this? I see Kenny come out of nowhere with a ticket, birdie or better. Fucking ten k. So was this just a, like a? I want, I want that, you know, just like a doing like a no one first inning. Was this like, I want that adrenaline rush? Or were you like, all right, he's coming off that. I think it was when he came off that, the was that coming off the fifth where he had that almost lip out for the that birdie? Out. And it's like, yeah. all right, dude, I got to get a birdie here. Was it was that part of the thought process there? So I, I, I think it was close to that because I, I think I would have had to have put this in before the putt because my guess is after the putt, like I don't know how much longer that market would have been open for. So sure. I think I called it like middle of the fifth hole. This was a i would say a dead even combination of like three things one he was hitting the ball well like his you know his tee shot on one was like a little iffy but then you know he got up and down for par and then the next couple of holes like just the the ball striking the ball striking was there and he looked dialed in with his irons i think i see i think i got this in pretty much the second he hit his approach into approach into five so when he puts his second shot on five to was it like 10 feet that he ended up missing for yeah just like five is the probably the second now that they've lengthened 11 five is the second toughest toughest hole at augusta it is not a hole to birdie and it's not really a hole to go after when he put the 11 feet and like shit he's dialed in with his irons coming up on hole six it's a hole that it's you know it's that like that kind of like double level green so it's a pretty small landing area but it was still a little soft that morning and fred couples birdied it like the hour before that like fred couples who uh look Gotta love Fred Couples, man. Old man Freddie, but like Fred Couples went pin seeking and then flushed it. If Couples was going after this pin, there's no way Tiger wasn't gonna go pin hunting. His irons look good. And then the other half of this is like the Tiger vibes. And I mean, love it. Come on. I guess combine all of that with I think I had like 50k in my FanDuel account at the time because of the, you know, it is again that that in of itself is luck. Is that I found this spot that I kind of liked at, at a point where I was on a good run and I had more bankroll to work with. And, you know, again, if I don't hit the, you know, if I don't hit the, the, the Simpson ladder two days before that, mm. I probably don't put as much on, on this tiger play. Thanks. And then it's, you know, it's not as exciting of a story. So that in of itself is lucky, man, that, that these happened in the time and that they did. But again, there was logic to it. I liked the spot he was in, but I didn't make it an official play because it's a, it's a birdie or better. And it's a really it's sweaty like, bet. And you only have so, only have so like, long to get that in, too. Like, if you get a notification, if you get the notification, miss it for a minute, you're taking a piss, come back, see it, try to put it in. Like, you're not. The odds are nuked. It's a whole different, you know what I mean? Well, so you you got me you got me horny for those bets because I did, a lot of people were birdieing the first hole in that first round. And I'm a huge Jordan Spieth fan. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take Jordan Spieth at plus 500 to birdie the first hole. He ends up, like, just pulling the shit out of his iron has a 57 foot putt that he puts to two feet almost went in but i was like all right you know kenny yeah. got me fired up for that and i saw some of the chats in the general chat and the mooney gang and they were like um they were sitting there and some of them were like oh this is how you lose all your money like why are you gonna do that and it's like well if you read it correctly exactly what you said i mean that fred couples thing i had no fucking clue <laughs> that that had happened so that's a great little yeah. sneaky point there um but one of the last things i want to touch on with you is unit sizing right and this has nothing to do with with the hits um, this is just based on what you're wagering, right? So you're putting in there like one unit, uh, half unit, quarter unit, but you look at some of the bets that you have here, you know, just for 10 assists for Emmanuel quickly, 450, 450. And let's do another weird number. 
the double double 213 for Amir Coffey. Um, then you have the Ant Edwards for 30 points at plus 450, 250, 12. Some bets are just weird numbers, like Tiger Woods, 72 or better in the first round, 2,962. Um, just another one, just just for, for shits and giggles. Do, do, um, what, what, what all those bets have in common? Yeah. That's the that's the max I can put on all of okay, them. Okay, because I was just like, why? So how is that? Because I was trying to understand why. Now it makes sense, but I was trying to understand how that, for your unit sizing, was making sense when we're seeing, you know, just insanely weird numbers, like Kevin Porter Jr., 441 for a triple-double, and then 559 for that you know, built out double, uh, triple double. Um, so in terms of unit sizing, I'm not, we're not trying to find out what that unit size is for you, but no, 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 no. how are you trying to manage, you know? Well, I would say, I mean, right. It, um, like it's rough, it's roughly. And again, it like, it's different now than it was a month ago. And a month ago, it was different than it was two months ago. It's just, it, it for me, it ebbs and flows with bankroll and how I, how I feel like I'm seeing the board and the confidence that I, it's like, it's kind of like going to the you know, going to the first tee box. Like you kind of know how much confidence you have in your golf swing, and then how much you know, how aggressive you're going to be at this pin. Am I going to go for it? Am I going to lay up to the side and just sort of kind of see how we're doing here? I'm hamstring by what I'm physically able to bet on on some of these things. Like in a dream scenario, like right now, I'd say like if if I could bet exactly what I wanted to on certain things, like unit is probably a grand, half units five quarters two fifty. That just because I'm. Um, a little flush right now. I'm feeling hot right now, and I'm far and far and away above like my, Fresh you know, my, comf- my 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 comfort level of sort of where I'm at right now. Now I blow five grand in a couple of days. We, you know, we have a long look in the mirror, and things <laughs> things drastically change. Oh, but guy. I can't follow that religiously because I'm weirdly limited on limited on certain things, like the uh, like the, the 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 quickly thing. I'm bitter about that because I would have absolutely blasted that at every level if i could have like i would have had a lot like what did i have on 10 and 12 assists so i would have had a lot more 10, than i had on it if i was able to 10 assists at, for Emmanuel quickly 10 assists at plus 330 you had 450 12 assists you had at plus 900 you had 166.50 and then the triple double at 1600 you had 300 so are you basing like, essentially like unit sizing on yourself getting limited almost so those unit size are almost that thought process is some of these plays before i even put it in i will probably get limited no i i, I have an idea of what i want to bet before i know what i'm able to bet like okay like my like you know, what i like my when i'm sort of deciding how i want to sort of distribute the units if you will that's based on just sort of my my confidence in the play and, and the price that it's at okay what i actually bet on it then is you know, is related to whatever Fandle allows me to bet. Like, if you take a look on the six, we talk about the Simpson ladder. At six plus, at plus 500, I was able to get a thousand bucks on that. So I think it was a thousand to like a thousand to profit, 5,000 was like a thousand to win 6,000. Yep. That's exactly what it was. Since that day, I haven't been able to put that much money on anything over like plus 350. Like, the Tiger one was the anomaly. Like, I only, again, I was confident in Tiger to shoot par on Thursday. I wasn't that confident in Tiger to shoot par that Thursday. I mean, I put it in Mooney Gang. I think, I think I said put two units on it. I liked it a lot. I was going to bet it. I didn't really go into that with the intention of putting three grand on it. <laughs> yeah. But I just for fun, I, w- I wanted to see what my limit was. And it was like 29, whatever. And that was a little more than I was going to put on it. But I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm getting limited everywhere else. If they're letting me do this, I'm, I want to take advantage of this. And hey, if he doesn't do it and they baited me into losing three grand, well, you win FanDuel. But a lot of it is based on sort of what I'm, what I'm, what I'm able to do. And you'll see, like, you know, my, my bet sizing 
weirdly has decreased as this run has gotten hotter and hotter. That's not my own doing. That's just the nature of FanDuel right now. That's a telltale sign of how much you're kicking their ass too. And you really read between the lines. Right. It's it's been a good it's been a good couple of weeks. <laughs> and again, look, and again, I want to be honest. Like it's been a good couple of weeks. It wasn't a great couple of weeks before that. Like the this overall, I mean, the NBA season was meh. Like it was just it was Especially just so that, okay. I was gonna I was gonna ask that too, like kind of my final question. Like, so is your process like stone cold the same thing throughout the whole entire year? Or like is there can you kind of feel like I'm having a bad month. Like, you know what I mean? I'm kind of tapering off a little bit. Now I'm like, I'm on a heater. Like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like adrenaline, red line. Like, or does it just, this is the same process all year. Just like a golf swing. I'm looking at the same things. You know what I'm saying? Yes and no. It's the same, same, like I would say same research process and same sort of, I would say, yeah, same, same research process in that, like, um, I'm sort of going through like, uh, like I have like a, just a checklist that I sort of start with, like of just from like lineups, matchups, who's out narratives, blah, 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 blah. Like for the most part, that's not going to change. What adjustments you need to be making are, okay, if you've gone cold now, like if you, if you are cold for a month, like, all right, why am I cold? Are my individual picks bad? So if my, indiv- if my just individual picks are bad, not even close, well, then my research has to be bad. Mm. If my picks are kind of close, but then, you know, I'm, I'm using too many parlays or I'm getting too married to a particular stat. Like you know, this year, I can tell you right now, I just like, I trusted the process too much on threes. I was waiting for threes to, to normalize. The three-point shooting in the NBA was so atrocious in the first half of the year compared to how teams just shot last year, but volumes were higher. And my brain is just saying, look, teams are shooting more. They're shooting more poorly. They, we have to get back to the mean at some point, and then these three props are just going to eventually start to, to, to cash at a better rate than they currently were. Sure. And they, they did, but not at the rate to undo – as much as I probably lost on, on three props. So like being, I think you just, you have to be painfully self-aware. Like mm. what is my strategy and what are other people doing? That's, that's, that's currently successful. Like, I don't mean just copying other cappers, but like, if you see other people that are having success in this space, well, well why is that? Are they, are they looking at teams? Like, are, are they, do you see that they're, they're cashing in on uh, more often on a few teams that maybe I got a blind spot for like over mm. the, I feel like I just avoided Grizzlies for most of the year. Cause I could just never get them right. Every time I bet on them, they lost. Every time I bet against them, they got blown out. And every time I took a player prop on the Grizz, I just, I, you know, it, it didn't work. So I just sort of, I sort of just fade Grizzlies. But are other people like, and then, and then everyone went on the D'Anthony Melton kick. And I just stayed away from it because it's like the second I touch this guy, I, I know, I know that he's lava. So I think keeping an eye on just, you know, maybe teams that I got a blind spot for and just you know, seeing what other strategies other cappers are, are having success with, maybe at a time that, that you're not. Like, are they incorporating PPDs? more than I am. Are they, you know, are they structuring their ladders differently? And it's just what's currently working right now. And I think being, you know, being humble enough to know there's a better way to do something at all times. And I think being willing to see better ways to improve. I mean, you'll see like my, my structure of nightly card, I think is pretty drastically varied throughout the course of the year. And I, that's, that's, it's by, it's by, it's, it's by design. It's not like I'm getting like more stoned every night and just like, yeah. you know, and just <laughs> randomly compiling. And it's like, you know, like I'm, it's, it's, it's trial and error. All of it has to be centered around belief in, in, you know, in your core plays and all of that, it comes from the quality of your research. But I think the way in which you structure these, the way, the way in which you distribute units across how you like your plays like that's sort of the biggest challenge of it all is like, okay, I've got these six plays that I really like. 
I have a community of people that are going to tail them to some extent. I want them to have action on all the plays that I like, and I don't want them to break the bank. So I can't just say, hey, ladder these six guys. Right. Because that's like, right? So, 15 units. <laughs> so then, all right. So what is the optimum way for me to give my subscribers the best chance to profit for the least amount of buy-in? And that's a balancing act. You're more likely to hit the more bets you put in. I'm trying to manage everyone's bankroll, give them chances to hit, and finding that balance is again it's 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 a working progress it's a it's a it's a work in progress and i think a lot of that will be dictated by you know how hot the community is it's easier for me to put out a few extra plays and to get a little more aggressive after recent hits because mm-hmm. i know that my community has a little more bankroll i've got a little more rope to work with there now it's not like hey i want to ride this heater and keep going but it's like being consciously aware like we're in a good spot right now if there's an extra bet that i like don't be afraid to send it because, you know, we're, we're a little more flush now. Whereas I may be a little more conservative, at least with number of plays, if we, if we are in the midst of a cold streak. So I think it's just, to, you know, to summarize that, be painfully self-aware and honest and solicit feedback. Like, what's not working? Why isn't it working? And what's working elsewhere for maybe from other, for some other people? And then talk about it with Mooney Gang. It's a work in progress, man. It's a brilliant answer from a brilliant capper, and it's just no no surprise you had the success you have. Like, bro, thank you so much for coming on again. This was full disclosure, off the cuff. Like, didn't have to te- reach out to us. Like, say, yeah, we can rip this at whatever eleven thirty. Let's go. Like, huge appreciation for you, bro. You've been killing it. We love you, um, dude. Just thank you so much, man. We appreciate your time and every time you come on, dude. Oh, come on, dude. Like, brilliant it's- answers, giving people motivation. I'm trying to like look at my processes. I'm researching the wrong <laughs> way, dude. Like, you're the, you're the goat, man. I mean, dude, it's. it's- Easy to be off the cuff, man, when you're talking with your boys. Hey, that's right, dude. And uh, the next time we will see you will be on a fucking golf course. Mm, how about dude, that? I got the pu- I, I, got, I, I'm, I, I'm I noticed that. I didn't want to get you off topic there, but my putter service has uh, been needing a little bit of work. I actually have a, a round coming up in uh, about an hour. so I might be supposed to um, the claw grip. So Yeah, so um, we will be talking to you real, real soon. And uh, we cannot wait to, to get out there and start swinging the sticks in some beautiful weather so you you be you be well as always and we'll talk to you real soon thank you thank you so much guys love you both man be good thank you thank you brother wow what an absolute fucking goat guys i don't really know what else to say after that goat has done that you can follow us on our social media platforms twitter at adED podcast instagram at adED pod tiktok if you want to see some cool content some smaller clips on what we're actually doing it's the name of the show the all day every day show but without further ado guys I, again, don't know what the fuck to say. This is one of the best podcasts that we've done in the last couple months. You've been listening to the All Day Everyday Show with All Day AJ and the homie Manny Ruffin. My name is Alex Jacobs. You can call me All Day AJ. See you boys when we see you. We'll see you from the segments on YouTube. Podcasts are coming later. See you guys.